It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here comes the lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go. This is the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garcisti on Twitter. Jamie is at Lightning underscore round, and we are reviewing the Chargers 2019 draft picks, and we have a lot to get to. Uh, but first, we got three donations. First donation is from Thomas Zabliski, who says, For much-needed beer to either down our sorrows or celebrate a great draft. Either way, looking forward to the next show. Thanks, Thomas. Yep, thank you, Thomas. Next one's from Christopher Dew. He sent in a donation, said, pretty sure this is going to be Tillery's number. Keep up the pod. And you were right, Christopher. That was exactly the number Jerry Tillery got. So thank you, Christopher. And last but not least, Josh Albrechtson, who's been a regular regular contributor to the show. So thank you, Josh, for the generous donation. We appreciate it. Yep, Thomas, Chris, and Josh, thanks for donating this week. And we're going to go over all seven draft picks. 
This might be a little bit unique because I was talking to Jamie a little bit earlier, but uh, I developed a relationship over the weekend, and I have a little insight on how these picks went So, uh, and a little context. So we'll go ahead and go over it, and I'll tell you um, what they were thinking as the picks were coming up. So let's go ahead and start. And the Chargers went with, in round one, Jerry Tillery, the defensive tackle out of Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, it was interesting looking at the Chargers draft as a whole, and particularly the first two picks. Uh, it really felt like they were responding to what they were seeing on Chargers Twitter during the draft the draft season, <laughs> because all these guys, or most of these guys anyway, uh, at least I think three or four of them were guys that Chargers Twitter was very high on and wanted the team to draft. So with Tillery, they get somebody who played up and down the defensive line at Notre Dame. You know, we talked about him. Was it the last show or the show before? Uh, the offensive tackles. We we skipped on Tillery, but we ended up talking to him in the uh, offensive tackle podcast. Right. We both had second round grades on him, but word coming out of the Chargers camp was that they he was their last player on their board with a first round grade. So, you know, they get a guy who can play three technique. Uh, he's got power. He's got the athleticism. There are certainly big time flashes in his game. It's not all the way put together yet. It's not. He's not what I would call a finished product. Um, but he's a good player who will definitely help out at a position of need right away. Uh, at the very least, probably expect him to step in as a situational rusher on the interior in in uh, obvious passing downs. If not, you know, surpass Justin Jones uh, for the starting three tech job at a camp. He's definitely their most talented interior defender right out of the gate. Uh, definitely has the most upside has a lot of really impressive physical traits and has flashed the ability to get after the quarterback. So all things that this team needed badly. And if he was in fact the last first round player on their board, then it's hard to argue with the pick. Yeah. The Chargers finally get their pass rushing interior defensive lineman. This is definitely going to be a theme, but Jerry Tillery, a high end athlete had the highest spark score among all interior linemen. Obviously generates a lot of power with those long arms. He wins with speed on the inside. Love the bend and flexibility at that spot. Uh, he has a lot of experience at a high success rate with a lot of stunts and twists, which I love. So another added weapon in blitz packages. We saw a lot of twists and stunts with uh, Bosa and Ingram, and uh, they throw Derwin behind them sometimes, and now you can add Tillery to that. He really started to come around as a player. He started to get better and better each year. Um, we talked about how his stats were a little padded last year. But, um, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, not a finished product. Has some things to clean up. I think he plays a little bit too high at times. Might need to add a little bit of muscle because he played a lot of five-tech at Notre Dame. Uh, has the body for it, but uh, is going to be asked to play three-tech the Chargers system. So uh, he fills in the spot left open by Darius Phylon and Corey Legit. Uh, he can obviously kick out the five-tech. He's got the experience in certain packages. And uh, this is an interesting pick uh, for both of us who were expecting them to pass on Tillery because of the quote-unquote character concerns on the field and the uh, prior suspension. So they end up getting their guy and uh, kind of a testament to how this coaching staff and the front office believes in not only Anthony Lynn but probably the leadership in the locker room too, that it won't be too much for a person like Tillery who, you know, not that he had any off-the-field issues like a Jeffrey Simmons or anything, but a guy who had you know, some questionable decisions on the field where he stomped on a player's leg and another kid's head and, 
you know, he ended up getting suspended his freshman year. So, you know, not saying he's a bad character. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about his outside interests out of football, which should be a non-issue. In terms of on the field, there were some questionable things he did early on, but he was clean for the last two years. So it uh, looks like he's uh, moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's really a testament to the culture that the team feels they've built in the locker room. Like you mentioned, uh, they feel like they have the guys in place, the alpha dog, so to speak, to keep a guy like that in line and bring him along and kind of teach him how to be a pro. So uh, it's definitely not a move this team would have made, I don't think, with Mike McCoy still being here. Uh I don't think the culture was such that they could have brought in somebody with even you know minor questions that Tillery has and trusted that they could reel him in and, and have him be professional. But I think with guys like Mebain and, and even Derwin James and other guys who are in that locker room on the defensive side of the ball, I think there are, there's enough there for him to, to respect what's there and listen to them and follow their lead and hopefully grow into a professional. So uh, I think that speaks – you know, real volumes about how they feel about their locker room. And like I said, good football player, position of need, should absolutely help out at least as a pass rusher right away, if not step in as a starter right away. So uh, certainly a lot of upside there, a lot of value there. And, you know, if if they had him graded, you know, as a first-round pick and, and some services had him graded potentially as a top-10 player, uh, then you, you could theoretically look at that as a steal for them based on, what their need was, and where they got him. So going in the first round, the Chargers were targeting defensive tackle, and they wanted Ed Oliver. Assuming Nick Bosa and Quinton Williams didn't fall, Ed Oliver was the guy. Now, of course, Nick Bosa, Quinton Williams went 2-3, so they didn't end up falling, and Ed Oliver got picked up by the Bills. His slide didn't go that far on day one, so the next best player on their board was Jerry Tillery. They were targeting him as soon as Ed Oliver got picked. So they ended up getting their guy. He fell to 28. And I asked because there's a lot of players left on the board that I thought, you know, would be easy fits. And that was the tackles. That was Jawan Taylor, the tackle from Florida, and Cody Ford. And so I asked about Jawan Taylor. And like every other team in the first round, they were scared by the medical red flags. And they didn't have a first round grade on him because of that. On Cody Ford, I thought it was an easy decision because he was versatile. He could play guard and tackle. Right tackle obviously being a very big need. He said right tackle wasn't as big of a need as everyone else thought it was, so they were targeting defensive tackle. And when I asked about Cody Ford, he said, well, where would you play him? And I said, well, I think he's a starting right tackle in the NFL. And he said, I'm not so sure. So that means that they view Cody Ford as a guard, and since guard isn't as big of a position of need in the first round, that knocked Cody Ford's grade down. So I said, was defensive tackle the position you were targeting the entire time? And he said, unless we were wowed by an offensive lineman, we were going to go defensive tackle. So I said, which offensive tackles did you have ranked higher? And that was the two that went ahead of the Chargers, Andre Dillard and Jonah Williams. So unless Jonah Williams or Andre Dillard were there at 28, they were going to go Jerry Tillery. That was their guy, and that was the last guy they had a first-round grade on. And then just an aside, I asked, so... Dexter Lawrence went early. If he was available at 28, how would you guys feel in that situation? Would that make a difference? And he just said, nah. So so Dexter Lawrence wasn't in the conversation at 28, even if he was there. So Jerry Tillery was the guy. They got their guy. And just a little added context of how day one fell for the Chargers, and they ended up getting the player they wanted. Yeah, it all makes sense. And, 
you know, even with Ford being having first round grades on our boards as a potential right tackle, he was kind of a fringe first rounder anyway. You know, he was a you know, with the exception of Taylor, who I think everybody thought they'd take when he was still on the board there. Uh, it's not like they were passing on you know a surefire top ten pick. Uh, it was they were kind of splitting hairs at that point. And if you indeed don't see Ford as a tackle and you see him instead as a guard, then you know that context help makes more sen- helps to make more sense of the Tillery pick, which, as I said, it fills a need as it is with a good player. So certainly a pick that should provide a lot of value and production for them. Yep. And then they move on to the second round, and they grab the free safety Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. Um, He was a DB, played both corner and free safety in college. Uh, We had talked about it in the safety podcast, but my favorite thing about his move was that the coaches didn't ask him to move to safety. Delaware had – an abundance of corners. And so he decided to move to safety to better the team. So I think that was pretty cool to take it upon himself to play a position he's ever played before. But he's very good in the run game, can read and diagnose quickly, showed a good ability to tackle in space. Uh, his range is basically in the building. Uh, high-end athlete, he can run and cover anywhere on the football field. Since he's played corner, he looks very comfortable in coverage wherever he's lined up. Top-end athlete, even though he didn't really compete at the Combine. Nasir might be a little bit undersized for the position, but I also think he gets a little bit caught in between two sometimes when deciding between the man and the ball, mm-hmm. but uh, minor, minor issues. Uh, he's an athlete that plays all over the field, tough to run game, can cover everywhere, and the added bonus is he's good near line of scrimmage. So Gus Bradley could really mix and match here with Derwin James and Nasir Adderley, having one playing strong safety, free safety, and checking out late and, and leaving offenses having to guess who's coming and who's going. And that's my favorite part is being able to uh, have the versatility of Nasir playing near line of scrimmage or having Derwin play center field or vice versa and also blitz off the edge if they want to. So the athleticism, the versatility makes it such a special pick. The upgrade free safety and, again, uh, making this team more versatile on defense was huge and uh, something that they were clearly trying to do in this draft. Yeah, um, Adderley was a player that I had a second-round grade on. I had a, an early second-round grade on him. So to get him towards the end of the second round provides, again, a lot of value. Um, you mentioned the versatility, kick returner, corner, safety. He played both safety positions in college, uh, played some nickel linebacker in college, uh, played up around the line of scrimmage. So definitely offers a lot of options for this defense. I think you'll probably see him playing center field more often than not. But to have two elite elite uh, athletes like Adderley and Derwin James at the safety positions just gives you so many options and really has to scare the hell out of opposing offenses because those guys cover so much ground and have such playmaking range that it's just, it's hard to scheme for them. So a very fun pick, very exciting pick. Great to see them get him in the second round. I thought he was getting maybe a little overhyped and pushed up the boards a little bit too much. Um, But to get him late, in the second round is just a ton of value. And uh, I think the only concern isn't the right word for it, but the only thing that I would look out for with him is I think he can get caught peeking in the backfield too much and not recognizing routes. And sometimes he's late breaking on the ball. So um, he does have the, the recovery speed. He does have the athleticism to high point the ball, all very exciting traits. I think there will be some development on the route recognition and reaction time. Uh, at the next level, just because he's making a huge jump from Delaware to the NFL. But the athleticism is there. The ball skills are there. The playmaking ability is there. So I think all that stuff will come. It just might not be 
as immediate as people think it will. Yeah, I mean, since he did start out at corner and he never played safety before, he is still fairly new to the position. So there's going to be the hiccups. And you know, you mentioned a couple of them. I mentioned a couple of them. He's not a perfect prospect, obviously, but he is a very, very good player. And in day two, this was a big target for the Chargers. This was uh, one of the top guys on their board. And uh, they loved him so much that about 10 picks before the Chargers, they were willing to trade up for Nasir Adderley. And, uh, but the way the teams lined up in front of the Chargers lined up, they just didn't need any safety help. So they basically waited and they had another safety in mind just in case Nasir Adderley was taken. And that was Juan Thornhill. And they were comfortable that if Adderley was taken, a nice consolation prize would be Thornhill there. They wanted to go free safety. There was a cluster of them. We kind of talked about how second round was kind of that sweet spot for free safety. So mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to sit back wait and still get their guy was huge so they got their uh, top choices in round one round two and uh, telesco uh, right after the pick was asked uh, about the free safety position and he said it's wide open so it's going to be nasir adderley rayshon jenkins jalen Watkins, all competing in camp but you know having a guy like nasir adderley in the back end is a piece the chargers have been missing since what, eric weddle yeah i mean provided he plays well in camp you got to figure he's going to jump up uh, the depth chart quickly, kind of like what Kaiser White did last year um, when they started him out with the twos and he all of a sudden, within a couple of weeks, he was playing with the ones. So very, very similar. I would, I would expect like what they did with Kaiser, they'll probably bring him into mini camp and throw a lot at him and see how much he absorbs and how quickly he adjusts and just kind of challenge him to take on as much as he can, as quickly as he can and see how he handles that. And hopefully he'll handle it well. So then in round three, a guy we don't have tape on. It's <laughs> offensive tackle Trey Pipkins at a Sioux Falls. Um, I know you have some background on this pick. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I would have thought they would have taken Yandy Kajust here um, or a corner. I thought a corner was a position of need. There were a lot of good corners on the board in the, in, late in the third round. Julian Love was still there, several others. So to me, taking a guy who – probably would have been there when they picked in the fourth round potentially and even if he wasn't there in the fourth round i think you wind up getting a better football player who's more ready to contribute regular snaps right away by going with a corner and they chose not to do that they they chose a guy who they basically picked him for his athleticism and assumed that they can develop him which uh, i guess you like having a lineman that that athletic but they don't exactly have the best record for dra- for drafting and developing offensive linemen. So to think that you can take a guy from Sioux Falls and turn him into a long-term left tackle, presumably, uh, it's a pretty big leap for a team that's had a hard time developing offensive linemen for since forever. <laughs> yeah. At least uh, as long as Tom Telesco has been GM. But, uh, yeah, so this is the one of the few guys we haven't been able to actually watch tape on. But, uh, yep, you're right. The Chargers ended up banking on his upside and the projection of Trey Pipkins. Um, he's another player that's got the ideal length and is a high-end athlete. Uh, they basically see Pipkins as a swing tackle early on, but they want to develop him as a left tackle. So, basically what happened was at the end of the third round, they actually had a deal on the table to trade out and uh, collect another day three pick. But uh, for whatever reason, that deal fell through. I think the player that whatever team was targeting got picked at that point. So they didn't trade out, and they had three tackles 
that they liked. There's a cluster of three. And what ended up winning out was the fact that he's a high-end athlete. They love his size. The area scout for that group uh, has some pull in that room. So he pounded the tables for Pipkins, and they ended up picking him. And they realized that uh, Pipkins' camp said that he had some promises in round four, whether you believe that or not. Uh, The Chargers decided we either got to pull the trigger at the end of three or we're going to lose Pipkins. So they decided to grab him. And uh, I asked about Kajus because that seemed like the obvious pick there. The fact that he fell to the end of three was insane. In fact, I think he fell to the end of three in your draft, he in did. your mock draft, and I thought you were crazy, and you cheated. So <laughs> he ended up falling anyway. And uh, so I asked what happened because uh, he seemed like an ideal candidate there, the end of three. And he basically said he does not like the mental makeup. So I don't know if that was from what they watched on tape or an interview they had with him, but... They just did not like what they saw from him. So they didn't want to take him, and they didn't. And he ended up get ta- getting taken by the uh, New England Patriots, who I'm sure will just be fine with his attitude and uh, probably develop in- into a pretty good offensive lineman. So they passed on the highest-rated offensive tackle on pretty much everyone's board and uh, reached for a offensive tackle that they see as a developmental project and a left tackle later on. In a few years, once Russell Okung hangs it up, or at least moves on. So that's where they view him, which means right tackle was not addressed in this draft at all. They talked about him being a swing tackle, but you probably won't see him a lot in on right tackle in camp. So did, you mentioned a cluster of three. Did you happen to get any information on who the other two guys were? No, uh-uh. No, I didn't get spe- uh, specifics on that. But I will tell you that they. Um, the f- one of the last things he said about Pipkins was, as soon as he gets in here, we're getting him in the gym and getting him stronger. <laughs> so it was like we know that he's not strong enough. We got to get. We got to. He's got to bulk up once he get in here. So, um, so no, I don't know the specifics on those guys. But I do know I did ask about Kajus because that was my first question, and uh, they just did not like the attitude. Hmm. Interesting. So they passed. So then we move on to day three. And they picked the linebacker Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame. Now, this is another athletic linebacker. He was in the 88th percentile in a spark score, also the 15th highest ranked athlete on the RAS score of all participating athletes. He's obviously a former safety turned linebacker. He's got the DB experience, which means he looks really comfortable in coverage. Great closing speed, can click and close. In the run game, he's not afraid to take on blockers. Routinely works to get off blocks with his powerful hands. He's a strong physical tackler. Uh, He kind of fell off because of the injuries. He tore both his ACLs, right and left, in his college career in back-to-back years. He's a little bit undersized, but uh, probably a projected will for the Chargers. And, uh, you know, obviously going to be a potential high-end special teams contributor right away with that athleticism. He was a captain of Notre Dame. He's coming in the league a little bit old. He's 24 years old, so he's, he's mature, has the experience, versatility. And with the three of the first four picks, the Chargers upgrade at all three levels their athleticism and their versatility. We talked about Tillery on the first level, being able to play three or five tech. You've got now Drew Tranquil, who can play uh, Will, but was a was a former safety. And on the back end, Nasir Adderley, who high-end athlete, versatile enough to play any DB spot on the field. So um, they, did, they did a lot with these first three of their four picks. Yeah, I had kind of had a feeling looking at the board before the fourth round, kind of had a feeling that they were targeting a linebacker there. Kind of thought that they might be looking at like a Mac Wilson or a Drew Tranquil. And 
uh, Tranquil was one of the guys who was at the top of my list going into the fourth round. So he's a guy that I, I like quite a bit. And this is a lousy linebacker class, and this is somebody who I like more than pretty than the majority of the guys that we watched. Um, you mentioned it; he's a will for sure. He's got a lot of range. He's effective coming downhill and running sideline to sideline. Very comfortable in coverage. He's a good athlete, good tackler. Uh, he's got ball skills. He sticks. He's got the length to match up with tight ends. He's, I mean, he looks really good. Really, really good at the Will linebacker position. Uh, he's a guy who should probably contribute on special teams right away and grow into a linebacker role depending on what happens at the Will position with guys like Adrian Phillips and Jatavis Brown and and uh, Kaiser White uh, and Thomas Davis in the coming years. So it's a guy who I think has the potential to develop into a three-down Will. He's pretty big and rugged. He might even develop into a Mike potentially because of his coverage skills. He's so effective in those short zones underneath that he could be really effective as a, as a Mike in Gus's scheme. Uh, and obviously the matchup ability with tight ends is, is intriguing. So just a, a whole lot to like there. Yeah. Um, a guy who I think, like I mentioned, he'll offer a ton of value on special teams right away. Uh, he's smart. He's smart. He's polished. He's well-coached. He, he does everything you look for in a, in a linebacker. So uh, I'm excited about it. I think he, I think, they got a, a steal here. He's a guy who probably should have been a day two pick, slips to the end of the fourth round, uh, like Adderley, uh, a steal at the end of the fourth round, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, we kind of mentioned about Kaiser White kind of moving to Mike later on in the year, and it looks like these are two guys that have kind of the same skill set, former safeties, big, fast, athletic you can kind of put either or at will or Mike for the future. So a uh, very good pairing there. And you, you got, I mean, there's, there's nothing not like about this pick. This was a great upside pick, great athleticism, versatility, position and need. They were just decimated by injury in that linebacker core. So to upgrade that and they're going to, uh, we'll talk about another linebacker here too, but um, the, it, to get Drew Tranquil there at the end of four was a very, very good pick. One of the first things I thought of when they picked him was, that's the Nick DeZubner replacement. Um, <laughs> because of the athleticism, because of the ability to actually physically play both Mike and Will, which the Chargers throw DeZubner out there and he can't play either. <laughs> but they just made special teams more athletic. They made the linebacker position more athletic. It seems like DeZubner has kind of outlived his usefulness. And I would expect that Tranquil will probably beat him out for one of those last linebacker spots in camp. Yeah, Definitely. All right, so round five, it's the quarterback, Easton Stick out of North Dakota State. So I did not get to watch the draft, and you were the one that told me about the Easton Stick pick, and my initial reaction was, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but then I went back and I watched him, because admittedly I watched like two games of his when we did the, the quarterback show a couple months ago, and I just kept moving because he wasn't wasn't intriguing enough for me to really jump on the train at that point. But I watched about six of his games uh, yesterday, and what I saw is a guy who's a good athlete. He's well-coached. The footwork is clean. The arm action is consistent. He's accurate. Uh, he makes generally makes good decisions with the football. Uh, I think there are times when he can struggle to feel pressure from the backside and protect the ball in the pocket. Uh, I don't think the arm strength is what I would call elite. It's probably slightly above average at best. And he can try. He can struggle to drive the ball outside the hash marks at times, but I think you know if you're in the fifth round, 
you know, we've been saying for two or three years now that they needed to at least start thinking about a developmental quarterback. You know, I don't know that Stick is really a developmental quarterback in that sense, but if you're in the fifth round, you're just trying to find traits that might find a way to stick on the roster. And I think there are traits here that suggest that at worst he can be a third string quarterback. Maybe there's some kind of a gimmick role that some people have been talking about with him. Um, he's just, he, he wanted a high level consistently. He makes plays with his arm and his, and his feet. He's smart. He doesn't make mistakes, uh, in a lot of ways. And it's going to sound like a weird comparison because of how athletic he is, but just with the decisions that he makes and the way he always seems to come up with a big play in some ways, there are some similarities with rivers just from a standpoint of making winning plays when you need them to be made. But I think for a fifth round pick for a guy who may or may not make the roster, there are some traits there that maybe can be developed. And I, you know, I didn't like it at first. It's not something I'm over the moon about. Like, I don't think this is the future quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but I think maybe he's a backup in a couple of years, like QB two in a year or two. And maybe they can find some creative packages for him. Maybe he can help on special teams even. Um, kind of like what the Saints do with the uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think there it's an interesting pick. I don't know why people are so excited about it, but um it's I'm I'm good with it. It's not it's not as it's not as bad or as over the top bad as I thought it would be when I first heard about it now that I've watched him and actually spent some time studying him. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who absolutely love this or absolutely hate this. And when it happened, I was surprised and didn't like it just because of some of the players that still left on the board. And I was hoping that if they were going to reach for a quarterback, it would have been a round or two later. But... Uh, they did it early in day three in round five, and it it's fine to me. I'm kind of landed where you are. I mean, it's not uh, a guy that I'm super excited about, and I don't think I think the Taysom Hill role is uh, kind of being overblown right now. But uh, you know, he's a quarterback three, and and that's fine. And maybe he becomes a backup when Tyrod Taylor's done. But you know, uh, he was very successful in college. He set school records in passing yards and touchdowns. Uh, he's he's accurate. He completed 61% of his career throws. The thing that people are pointing to is the athleticism, obviously. He's a true dual-threat quarterback. Tested in the 94th percentile with a 4.62 speed. Finished with 41 touchdowns of 5.9 yards per carry. Can really uh, run the ball. And uh, though everyone thinks that there's going to be this Taysom Hill role, 
uh, you know, Anthony Lynn, when asked about it, shot it down right away and was like, he's a quarterback for the Chargers. We've got running backs who can run. So, you know, we don't need Taysom Hill. <laughs> and uh, so early on, he's going to be quarterback three. He's going to be behind Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you talked about the arm strength. I think that's probably one of his biggest weaknesses. I, I think he his accuracy is good, but I just don't think he has NFL-ready arm strength. I think it's, you know, average at best. The ball tends to hang and float when he tries to drive it down the field or to the perimeter. Yeah. And uh, so he was a three-year captain. He was a winner. Uh, he's got the legs to be a threat on the ground. A pretty good feel for the pocket, too. Accuracy is overall good. He's going to be a developmental quarterback three behind Rivers and Tyrod Taylor. And that almost certainly means that the Chargers are going to carry three quarterbacks going into the season. And the Cardell Jones experiment is officially over. Yes. So we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Fist pump from Jamie. And uh, you mentioned it. Yeah, I think he's also going to have a role on special teams. So uh, two guys in day three already that are going to be uh, big-time special teams contributors and a couple more as we talk about these next two picks. But in uh, Easton Stick and Drew Tranquil, you got high-end athletes who can really get down the field and can contribute on special teams early on. Yep. I. It's, like I said, not something I'm super excited about, but I get it. So – and. We've been saying for two or three years that they need to take a quarterback, so it's hard to be a hypocrite now and say, no, you can't do that. So um, <laughs> That's the th same thing with Jerry Tillery. You know, like it's not He wasn't number one on our board, but we've been saying draft a defensive yep. tackle early, and they wouldn't do it. And then when they did, they, they settled on Justin Jones for whatever reason. And again, third round, Telesco just went crazy and goes completely off script. But anyway, <laughs> we're moving on to round six, and it is the – uh, linebacker, Ameke Egbule. So someone I'm going to have to remember how to pronounce, which is not going to be fun. <laughs> but uh, Houston asked Egbule to do everything from put a hand in the dirt, rush the passer, play off-ball linebacker, hang in coverage. Egbule is good at taking on blockers and steering them into rushing lanes. He also has a knack for disengaging at the last second, which I love. Very, very good timing to get in the backfield. As a pass rusher, he generates strength to power off the edge. He was asked to drop back in coverage a lot, but does his best work in zone. I think he just has his troubles man-on-man -on, -man on an island, so I'd rather him play in zone, and he's pretty good there too. It'll be interesting where the Chargers line Egbule up. I think he's the attacking Otto or Sam in Gus's system. He's going to back up a Chetanuosu early on. I think as an off-ball linebacker, he's just going to get eaten up one-on-one, -on -one, so I'd like him much better at the line of scrimmage. He can set a mean edge, he can rush the passer, can pop out in coverage if asked to on tight ends or backs that leak out in the backfield, and uses athleticism on the strong side. To me, this is a huge test for the Chargers staff because they have something here in Egbule. Their coverage skills are a little bit worrisome. The tackling is hit or miss. We'll need to develop some more pass rushing moves and counters, but there is a lot to like about Egbule and setting the edge, playing him near the line of scrimmage, some power, the length, the athleticism. If they can tap the potential of this kid, he could be really good and definitely worth a flyer in the sixth round. Maybe should be ranked higher than that when you look at his tape. But look for Egbule early on. He's going to be that Sam Otto behind Nuosu, playing near the line of scrimmage. Also going to be a special teams contributor as well. Another high-end athlete who's going to get down the field in a hurry on special teams. So... A guy that I actually like a lot while watching him probably went a little bit later. Very good value pick. Yeah, I, I like Digboule too. Um, I, I love the length, the athleticism. There's flexibility off the edge. 
uh, he sh- he flashes instincts. They're not consistent, but you can see them kind of growing. Uh, you know, he does a good job of reading the quarterback's eyes and zone coverage and getting his hands into passing lanes, which is kind of fun to watch. Um, he he shows good bend off the edge. You me- you mentioned he shows good power off the edge. He can set the edge. Very disruptive, um, helping to string out not just string out running plays, but also shut them down. Uh, once he extends the edge, resets the edge. Uh, a lot to like there. I think the mental side of the game is what needs development. Uh, lots of false steps, lots of guessing. He's often the last guy on defense to react once the ball is snapped. Uh, he's he's not a read and react guy. He's a, a watch, think, and react guy right now. So that's the part of the game that needs to come quite a bit forward for him to be able to stick with the team. But I agree with you. He looks like a Sam to me. I think with the bend and athleticism and flexibility off the edge, he could also be a, a, a valuable backup Leo, maybe develop into a situational pass rusher down the line. So there are some options there with him. And I think he will because of his athleticism and because he always seems to be around the football. Uh, I think he's a guy who will contribute again on special teams right away. So he'll provide that immediate value on special teams, probably wind up filling Kyle Emanuel's role on special teams with an even better athlete. Uh, So they let go of a guy who underperformed, upgrade the athleticism. There's more development there that has to be done. But, you know, they got Emanuel, I think, in the fifth round. They're getting Igbule in the sixth round. Uh, I think it's a good trade-off. It should help special teams. And I think he will develop into a a backup Sam slash Leo pretty quickly. Yeah, a uh, raw kid, but so many good, desirable traits in him that uh, I, I can't wait to watch his development throughout the years because with the size, athleticism, it's it's going to be fun. I, I really like him. Kind of a moldable player that could really be special if you do it right. Yeah, it's kind of the same conversation we had with Stick. If you're in the sixth round, you're just trying to find traits. It'll help somebody stick on a, on a team. And he's got the traits you look for in that kind of edge player with the length, the flexibility, the speed. Um, you know, it's all there. So you just, you can hope that, you know, watching film and watching other guys play the position, the instincts grow and he becomes more of a read and react guy and less of a guy who has to watch and think. Um, but if that happens, there's, uh, there's a spot on, there's a spot for him on this team for a while and he could turn out to be very productive. Yeah. This is a pretty exciting day three after watching these guys. And it doesn't stop here because there's a lot of desirable traits in this last pick in the seventh round Cortez Broughton, the defensive tackle out of Cincinnati. I love Broughton. Um, I had never heard of him before. I'd seen him on our on our database spreadsheet, but did not watch him when we did the defensive tackles and had not heard of him. Uh, there are long stretches of games that he just takes over and dominates as an interior lineman. He played all over the defensive line uh, at Cincinnati. He played some zero, some one, some five, some three. I think his best positions are three technique and five technique, and I think three technique is by far his best position. Uh, the first step is just downright explosive. Uh, when they cut him loose and have him penetrate as a one-gap penetrator, uh, he's slippery. He's very hard to get, get, get hands on. He's past guards and centers before they even have a chance to react to what he's doing in a lot of cases. He gets upfield in a hurry. He does a – he – does a pretty good job of locating the ball and making plays. There's That's an area of, of improvement for him. Uh, he has a mean bull rush when he needs to unlock it. Uh, he's not a guy that you want to ask to kind of drop an anchor and take up space, 
But if you're looking for a one-gap penetrator who's going to get upfield and disrupt and cause havoc, this is your guy. He's got the length. He's got the power. He's got the speed, the athleticism. He actually shows some really good bend for a guy who's almost 300 pounds coming off the edge as a five technique. There are a lot of opportunities for him to get snaps in passport situations here, both on the interior and potentially as a base end. Uh, just a just a fun pick, a fun guy to watch, and a guy who you feel like once he gets in camp and he starts working out with Griff Smith, uh, the hand technique is going to improve, the pad level is going to improve and get more consistent, and he's just going to shoot through the roof and become very productive at the very least as a situational rotational defensive tackle yeah Cortez kind of had a bad rap at Cincinnati he went through like five different D-line coaches which was uh tough on him and he he said it would kind of slow down his development a little bit but uh got some consistency on a senior year uh and did fantastic he had 18 and a half tackles for loss seven and a half sacks excellent first step like you mentioned I mean there's it's hard to miss Cortez Broughton because he's always the first one firing off the football every time on either side of the line very good speed and agility at the position uh, you talked about it I think he needs to improve his hand usage and uh, he is a little bit undersized he's 6'2 282 so uh, probably could st- stand to pack on some muscle a little bit because he kind of does get washed by some bigger linemen at times but in terms of uh, interior d- defensive tackle depth, this is you couldn't ask for more, especially in the seventh round. I mean, in day three, I would have been fine taking Cortez Broughton because I hadn't watched him before, but uh, he would have been an early day three pick for me because there's so much to like about him. There's some real potential starter upside with this. You know, he's uh, best as a one gap penetrator, like you mentioned. Uh, let him use his explosion of power to win inside because he's not really a space eater like you mentioned and uh he has his trouble taking on double teams too so if you want to create pressure on the inside and move push that pocket into the quarterback and create interior pressure this is your guy and um we had mentioned it via text but i want to mention on the podcast this is the same feeling i got while watching darius Phylon when the chargers drafted him a guy that, you know, he came out of school early, so a little bit different, but he was just starting to come around in terms of his uh, technique and skill for Phylon. And then for Broughton, it was like every year it was starting to build up, build up, build up. And now he consistently got a defensive line coach. And then after two years of having the same coach, he broke out and had almost eight sacks that year. So uh, a guy I'm really looking forward to watching and great interior line depth right away. Yeah, I yeah, that was the first thing I thought of watching him was he reminds me of Darius Phylon, just the way he penetrates with his quickness, gets up field, makes plays, disrupts, a uh, lot of similarities. So very fun to watch, very exciting to get a guy like that in the seventh round, a guy who, you know, like you said, I wouldn't have mind, minded them taking him in the fourth or fifth round now that I've seen him because of the traits, yeah. because of the explosiveness and the athleticism, uh, just... He, he just fits their system to a T. You point him in a gap, say, go get him and let him penetrate. And he's going to be yep. very productive. If you start asking him to take on double teams and eat up space and two gap, he's going to get eaten alive. But if he can win with quickness and get up field and penetrate, he's going to be a handful. Yeah. And not to say he can't do that later on. I mean, he could, he could probably add some muscle and be able to be that uh, space eater. But right now, just let him one gap and penetrate. Yep. Totally agree. This was a lot of fun, and uh, let's go ahead and talk about our grades. I guess you can go ahead and give one. Let's let's grade the Chargers draft overall through these seven picks. Jamie, what letter grade would you give the Chargers in this draft? Um, torn between a B and a B plus. 
I'm going to go with a B. Might be a little higher if it wasn't for Pipkins. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, like I mentioned, getting a corner in the third round would have been a lot more uh, beneficial for them just to get somebody who's going to be on the field right away and can contribute right away. Um, even though, uh, you know, I, I don't hate the stick pick. I get it. Um, there was a, there were some wide receivers that were available in the fifth round that would have been nice to have a Kelvin Harmon, some other guys who could have made an immediate impact and helped push a certain number 12 off the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those picks kind of knocked it down a peg for me, but with the, the upside they get in Tillery, Adderley, Egbule, uh, Tranquil and Cortez Broughton, uh, it's hard not to give it at least a B. So I'm going to go with a solid B, maybe just a shade under a B plus, but a very solid grade, a lot of exciting, developable traits uh, on all of these guys, athleticism and skill and talent, all that. Uh, just I think special teams will be better. The defense will be better. They The Chargers definitely improved in this draft. They fill some, filled some major needs, uh, and – I think I think a B is, I think a B is a, a worthy pick, a worthy number for, or a worthy grade, I should say, for for this draft. Yeah, um, I I think I'm going to go a little bit higher than you. I'm I'm going to do a B plus. The first two picks, you know, two best athletes at their position for the Chargers' two biggest needs. Uh, the Pipkins pick is questionable. Um, leave the player out. You know, I haven't been able to watch him. So uh, for me, it seems like it's just a projection, but they see him as a left tackle. If they saw him as a right tackle, maybe I could make a little bit more sense of it. But your biggest, one of your three biggest needs, you addressed your first two, free safety and defensive tackle in the first two picks. Uh, you needed to get better at right tackle. And today, Sam Tevy's your starting right tackle. So that didn't work out well last year. And uh, they did not upgrade that position. Uh, I think they needed to upgrade tight end. They didn't end up doing that. And I think they needed to upgrade wide receiver, and they didn't do that during the offseason. They didn't do it in free agency or the draft for any of those three. So uh, for that, it feels like the draft is lacking a little bit. But, you know, uh, Easton Stick was interesting, you know, with who was left on the board. Having Tyrod Taylor as your backup already, I thought they might pass a quarterback. Fifth might be a little high, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Like I mentioned, it's fine. But the value in day three in Drew Tranquil at Will Linebacker, Egbule as your backup Sam to take over for Kyle Emanuel, and then Cortez Broughton as an interior D-line depth. You needed a double dip at some point, and they did it in defensive line, which is great. They got more athletic and more versatile at all three levels, like I mentioned, with Tillery, Tranquil, and Adderley. And so this was a borderline B plus, A minus for me. But because those three spots, right tackle, tight end, wide receiver, weren't really fixed uh, in the offseason at all because I was waiting to see what would happen after the draft. I was hoping they would uh, fix those, but they didn't. Um, I think that drags down the the grade a little bit instead of being an A- minus to a B plus for me. Fair enough. All right, guys. That's it. So we will talk about undrafted free agents. We'll talk about the rest of the AFC West draft grades later. We'll do that later, but this was just strictly Chargers, and Tom Telesco does it again. Solid B, B plus from Lightning Round Podcast. Good draft by Tom Telesco. I am at Garrisisti on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore Round. We will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.